Getting past ego. There are many planes of existence and the material one is on the surface of life. On this plane we may choose to live out most of our life and so a great journey takes place here which is disconnected from nature. There is no security in this surface world of materials. Human security cannot be achieved through bondage to material realms. Often we become trapped in the transient emotions of this material realm, hoping that structures and success can appease the fears and questions we all carry within. Security cannot be found like this because it is disconnected from nature. The material realm is the smallest drop in the great ocean of life. The great mystics knew this. If they wanted to understand something, they simply observed it, they didn't criticize it, they didn't condemn it, they didn't reach out for it or avoid it. They just sat in silent observation of it. Great composers, artists and inventors have always had the capacity to be alone for extended periods of time. The greater their achievements, the more alone they were. Edison, lived, ate and slept in his workshop laboratory for weeks at a time. Interruptions would bring his mind back to the surface layers, so he would immerse himself in the inspiration of silence for days at a time. It was through this isolation that his mind could access the great ocean of knowledge. When the mind is still and under your control you can paint on this canvas the dreams you have of the future. It is the canvas of the heart. Spaciousness, clarity, inspiration and calm all arrive through the art of perfect stillness. Being alone. In order to feel and reconnect with nature, we must learn to be alone, alone from all influences, from all compulsions, from all demands, longings, hopes, so that the mind is no longer in the action of frustration, if only for an hour a day. The mother with newborn child must be alone for time in order to regain her self-consciousness, a business person must be still in order to compose and turn to inspiration rather than reaction. The sick and those in pain must learn the skill of aloneness in order to tap the great power of will. When we have appreciation for the spiritual emptiness within us, the beauty of everything which is our true heart, then that state of despair which overcomes us and causes us to seek noise to fulfill us, vanishes. Ideas, thoughts, things material, approval, company, people, stimulants loose their motive. They loosen their gift, we move beyond fear and become masters. Many people go out into life, and then they meet with all the contracted energies and every other complexity that could obstruct their efforts, and then, only after all that, do they to think about their spiritual practice as something to tack on when all the important things have been taken care of. Not surprisingly, by that point a person feels oh, I'm too tired already and gives up on the idea of developing a spiritual practice. You need to start each day with your inner work. Not separate from but connecting back to nature. Mediation is done with eyes open to the world that is real, beauty reveals itself in every drop of dew, we must begin the day by reconnecting to our true nature. Early is best, and as you move through the day, you will meet each opportunity that presents itself from your own center, then you establish a sense of joy, vitality and enthusiasm for life. You engage this joy, you dance with it. The whatever the activity, it not even work anymore, it's an act of love. You find that you're tireless in it, you have all the energy you require for anything. It is a question of where you begin, and of what you understand your real work to be. Try to start out with an intense love of life, and an intense love of your Creator. Then go wherever that love takes you and do whatever you are called upon to do from there. Integrity, becoming open to truth. To find our true nature, the first thing that must be learned is to unlock what has already been learned and then to unlearn it. We spend half our lives learning how to judge the world and others, and then we must spend the other half learning how to unjudge. It means loosing our individuality. And what is individuality but a series of ideas, beliefs and perceptions that belong to the ego. Some of those ideas are unconscious, others learned but most important none of them are permanent. What are one's ideas and opinions but a collection of erroneous facts that, through conditioning, or experience have been adopted as truth. 
they are in fact simply collections of data and knowledge that was necessary for growing up but in maturity, need to be unlearned. It is not easy for most people to let go of these learned responses. Even those who pose as students may fake the idea that they are interested to learn, or unlearn, often a person comes to me and says here I am. Can you help me spiritually? And I answer yes. Then they say, I want to know first of all what you think about life and death, or about the beginning and the end of existence. At this time I wonder what their attitude will be if their existing opinion does not agree with mine. They seem to want to learn, yet they do not want to be empty. That means, going to the stream of water with one's cup covered up, wanting the water, and yet the cup is closed, filled with preconceived ideas. You see the main difficulty in life is always what comes from ourselves. With a full cup, a mind full of beliefs, identities and ideals, it is impossible to learn or even change a thing. Many do not like to be a student, they like to be a teacher. If only we knew that the perfection of the great ones, who have come from time to time on this world, is in their pupilship, not in their teaching. The greater the teacher, the better the pupil they were. Finding Your True Nature, Copyright C. Walker 2004 They learn from everyone, the great and the lowly, the wise and the foolish, the old and the young. They learn from their lives, and study human nature in all its aspects. How can one unlearn all that is collected in a lifetime? Unlearning is simple. You simply have to search for balance. Unlearning is knowledge. To see a person and say, that person is bad, that is learning. To see further, and recognize something good in that person, that is unlearning. When you see the goodness in someone you have already called bad, you have unlearned. You have unraveled that knot. If you have once said I dislike that person, that is learning. And then you say, I know, I can like them, or I can have empathy for them. When you say that, you have seen with two eyes. First you learn by seeing with one eye, then you unlearn and you see with two eyes, this makes the learning complete. Egg Zero versus Truth Beyond the fight to look glamorous, or to impress others with our wealth or wit there is another world. Beyond shame and embarrassment there is a ground so firm you can build a life on it. That world is our true nature. Our true nature is capable of relaxing in the most tense moment, it is capable of peace of mind, it is authentic and has no need to delude itself or others and most importantly it is capable of love. As we search for our true nature the very definition of who I must grow. The concept of the I or self must become bigger and richer. When we are capable of seeing that we are not simply body or thoughts, feelings or imagination, then we are able to understand ourselves more as a whole. We are not only our body or our mind. When we take on the path of self-realization, beyond body and mind, we begin to feel bigger than before, a bigger context to see our life. We also begin to recognize the cause of our suffering. Then we see that by identifying with our body or thoughts, ego, we breed the very suffering we so long to eliminate. When a person explores their deeper spirituality they begin to experience a feeling of I, Ness, which is a part of a larger world than simply, the self. That identity is a merged one, a sense of other and self as one. When this idea springs up there is a journey that has begun on the path of truth. Then they also begin to understand that they can identify with this body, but that it is only a vehicle, and then they also know that their thoughts are just an accumulation of experiences and perceptions, conditioned ideas that constantly change, and consequently they come to understand a powerful new perspective. Self-consciousness gives way to a bigger picture. Then they might ask, if this body, and these thoughts and these beliefs are not the true I, if I am no longer identified by my possessions, my beliefs and my actions, who am I? And what is individuality? What is my environment, and what are my actions? Who am I really? This is a crucial step into the realms of peace of mind and personal integrity. When we think of that feeling that makes us affirm the word I, we realize that it is difficult to ascertain the exact definition of I. 
it is something that is beyond human comprehension, beyond definition. Hence, what a person knows of themselves is first their body. An individual will call themselves a body, they identify themselves with their body. They say, my body is in pain, and therefore I am in pain there is no separation between the inner self and the body. They say, I ate a great meal, therefore I am happy, the body and its pleasure and pain is their only viewpoint. If they cannot tolerate pain, then they avoid life by staying in the past. If they cannot tolerate pain they seek to avoid challenges and therefore can't apply themselves to life. This is the first layer of mind, I am, what my body feels. This is a prison. Exploring this question can be complex but this is only because of resistance in your mind. It is simple, but we make it complicated because we resist change. Your mind can create difficulty in very simple circumstances. This is the nature of the mind. It gets attached to a certain way of thinking. Personas are just like clothes. Our body is here, it is hidden in clothes. In the same way our truth is here, hidden behind certain clothes. Beliefs or religious dogma. These clothes are your personality, your ego. You can take off the clothes right here and now, and in the same way you can be in your truth anytime. But if you do not know what the clothes covering your true nature are it is impossible to take them off. If you do not know how you are hidden in them, you do not know how to take them off, to be truthful. We have been in clothes for so long, for years of our lives, we have forgotten that we are in clothes, we become so identified with the clothes, that we don't even recognize them as clothes. You think these clothes are you. And that is the main barrier. It comes down to simple things. Seeking approval, worrying about what people think, ashamed of your appearance, criticizing your weight because it doesn't fit convention, looking to impress others. All these and more are the ego in its full flight. A sign of the false world most people take as being real. Learning to be alone, finding and caring for your true nature. Loneliness, is a spiritual experience. Running away from loneliness is running away from our true nature. Running can push us to always be somebody, to be well thought of, approved, escape from ourselves. Can we learn to live with that loneliness and not run away from it, not try to fulfill through some action? Can we live with it and not try to transform it, not try to shape and control it? If the mind can see it differently, then perhaps we will go beyond that loneliness, beyond that despair, which does not mean into hope or a spiritual state of devotion, which is simply another means of filling the emptiness. On the contrary, if we can understand and live in that loneliness and not run away from it, but live in that strange loneliness which comes when we are bored, when we are afraid, when we are apprehensive, without condemnation of it, are we in that time truly at home with ourselves, and possibly God? Aloneness and awareness make loneliness entirely different. Awareness is observation without condemnation. Awareness brings understanding, because there is no condemnation or identification but silent observation. If I want to understand something, I must observe, I must not criticize, I must not condemn, I must not pursue it as pleasure or avoid it as non-pleasure. There must merely be the silent observation of a fact. There is no end in view but awareness of everything as it arises. That observation and the understanding of that observation cease when there is condemnation, identification, or justification. Love produces harmony and harmony creates beauty. If you can feel the life force within you then you cannot be lonely. You become nourished and self-satisfied, and you feel a joy beyond the body. Your physical being always craves companionship in its own form, physical. Consequently the body, the physical, can be lonely, but not the spirit. The more you absorb yourself in how lonely you feel, the more you focus on the body, then the more lonely you feel, instead, if you allow that feeling to enter your openness and feel the pain, you can transform this feeling into a deep connection to the one and the all. Lonely, 
you may search for answers, you may decide that, really what I need is a soulmate now you have another quest and another book list to fill your already overcrowded shelf. You meet people and then you say this is it. Perhaps after a small time you are forced to recognize oh no it's not it. Then, after 20 or 30 relationships you say oh, this spiritual stuff is crappy at that point you settle for someone who is willing to live with you. By then you may be so disgusted at yourself, that you go out. And get a job you didn't want in the first place, then you persuade yourself that you're happy at it, and then go home, eat dinner, watch TV, and forget about it. The point is clear. All this means that you have to be careful. You have to think it through before you let yourself get absorbed in feelings of loneliness, or of the determination to escape from it, into activity and habit and relationships of need. If you indulge in them in the long run they overpower you. They take you where you never wanted to go. They can convert your energy into tension, into a self-reinforcing feedback loop. Your task is to remember that you don't have to get caught up in it in the first place and that loneliness can be seen as aloneness, and everyone on earth experiences loneliness but some, who are aware can enjoy it and it becomes the great alones of a spiritual foundation. To rid ourselves of the fear of loneliness, we must understand the gift of aloneness. Aloneness is not the opposite of loneliness. They are one and the same however, one is beneficial and the other an infliction. We glorify the skills to master aloneness in order to prevent the rift between heart and mind. In city life we must be alone, alone from all influences, from all compulsions, from all demands, longings, hopes, so that the mind is no longer in the action of frustration. Ultimately, loneliness is the complete sense of not being able to depend on anything, not having anybody to turn to, whereas, aloneness is to embrace that we are never alone. When we have appreciation for the spiritual emptiness within us, the beauty of everything which is our true heart, then that state of despair which overcomes us and causes us to seek noise to fulfill us, vanishes. Ideas, thoughts, things material, approval, company, people, stimulants loose their motive and we enjoy their company rather than seek them through fear and compulsion. Aloneness is essential, it is a spiritual thing. But the mind cannot come to it with a city-built understanding of it. The whole problem of loneliness is that it is not seen for its worth. All people are, at times lonely, but for those whose city life does not embrace it, they spend so much of their life running to escape it, and in that life, all activities are the activities of frustration. The happy person is not afraid of loneliness, it is for them the sublime truth from which the beauty of life can be appreciated. Happiness is happiness, alone or in company, and the action of aloneness is to create that awareness, permanently. Learn to be alone. Great composers, artists and inventors have always had the capacity to be alone for extended periods of time. The greater their achievements, the more alone they were. Edison, lived, ate and slept in his workshop laboratory for weeks at a time. Interruptions would bring his mind back to the surface layers, so he would immerse himself in the inspiration of silence for days at a time. It was through this isolation that his subconscious mind could access the great ocean of knowledge known as the Akash. It is from there it can tap discoveries. To be alone, to allow the mind to pass from its workday layers down to the universal sea, is the secret. Someday, this deeper layer of life will become more widely acknowledged. It will become a vital part of relationship and business. What will happen? Mind will not be mind. An era of honesty will be necessary. Where the benefit of aloneness will be treasured and relationship for it on its own can be the key to longevity, love and harmony between people. It has been said that to really know ourselves, our thoughts, our sincerity, or our evil, where nothing can be hidden, we must be alone with ourselves. This is obvious to one who is conscious of the subconscious, it is a natural consequence. The creative mind taps the universal sea when it is left undisturbed for long periods, exceeding three hours, and while a person needs to know very little of its contents, they are totally inspired by it. 
All great thought comes from this deeper level of self-awareness immersed in the universal sea. If the time should ever come when people have the mastery to connect with this ocean of thought, the result will be a remaking of the conditions that exist on earth. This capacity exists only to a very limited degree today, but it is slowly increasing. Nothing can bring you peace but yourself. Emerson. Hesitancy can be so essential to discovery, to further self-understanding, but how can there be hesitancy when we know so much, when our minds are so full, when the self-protective armor is so highly polished and all the cracks are sealed from within? What perspective are we left with when life is measured in steps, kilojoules, payments and schedules? What connection to the trillions of stars is possible from within the threatening dimension of streets, cars, noise and competition for resources? This city dweller will smoke and drink and pray and meditate and read in order to survive, a self-serving strategy of coping, and all this pillage is the true humanity within people. When the mind feels lonely, it turns on the radio, picks up a book, picks up the telephone, runs away from what is into something which is not. When there are not the physical demands of everyday living, when the mind becomes aware of its loneliness, it runs away, escapes. The escape, whether into religious contemplation or a cinema, is exactly the same, it is an escape from what is. The person who escapes through drinking is no more trouble than the one who escapes by meditation or yoga, they are both the same, both are escaping, they fill the moments with doing to escape the being. 